I want to welcome everybody who is joining us online right now. Thank you so much. And if you're ever in the area, please stop by one of our services at 9.30 or 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I want you to say something with me right now, whether you're at home or you're in the car listening to the podcast or you are in this room right now, I want everyone to say this. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. The fullness of joy is mine. Come on, say it like you mean it. The fullness of joy is mine. My mind will be at perfect peace. And victory belongs to me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe it, shout amen. You know, when you say amen, that's saying, let it be so. You know, if my wife says, sweetheart, I'm going to make you some turtle cookies, I say, amen. Let it be so. If she says, I'm going to clean the house today, amen. Let it be so. I'm just kidding. I say, whatever you want to do, sweetheart, you're in charge. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 10, the Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Tell the person next to you, it's not your ability. Come on, it's not your ability. You need to understand this. It's not your ability. It is his ability inside of you. It is Christ in you who is the hope of glory. It is God who works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. So if you ever feel like, you know what, I just don't have what it takes, forget about you and start focusing on who is inside of you because there is limitless wisdom, limitless power, limitless strength, limitless joy. Are you following me this morning? It is Christ in you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can stand because he's in me. I can endure because he's in me. I have victory because he is in me. The Bible goes on to say in the verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, catch this part, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Paul closes out his letter to the Ephesians by telling them, you are in a war. And I want you to know today that you are in a war. There is a battle for your mind. There is a battle for your family. There is a battle for your marriage. There is a battle for your joy. There is a battle for your peace. You are in a war. Whether you like it or not, you better suit up because a fight is not just coming. A fight is already here. The battle is here. You're de the, the devil, your adversary, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is after you and he is after your stuff. But this battle that we are in is not against flesh and blood. We turn to the person next to you and say, my fight's not against you. See, what we like to do is we like to put a face on our enemy. We like to point fingers and say, 
you're the problem. Or this person is the problem. If this person was removed, everything would be better. But we're not in a fight against flesh and blood. Now, we may encounter people that seem to be an enemy, but the person is not the problem. It is the spirit driving the person. Are you following what I'm saying? It's the spirit driving the person. You have to understand this because a spirit cannot be fought with natural means. Are you following what I'm saying? If you are in a fight and it is against a spirit, you can't deal with this by natural means. You can't shoot a demon. You cannot bomb a demon. You cannot medicate a demon. There are things that we write a prescription for that Jesus would have cast out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, not all sickness is is a demon, Are you following what I'm saying? Sometimes we get sick because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we get sick because we make poor decisions. But there is, biblically, a spirit of infirmity that will attach itself to somebody. So you'll see there are times where Jesus will heal the sick, and then there are times he will cast out the spirit of infirmity. So we have to learn how to discern what is going on so that we know how to fight because we can't fight a spiritual problem with medication. We cannot, hear this, we cannot legislate a demon out of our life. Sometimes we think if we get this person into the proper position that everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be better. But demons don't abide by our laws. And if you remove this person from power, another person with the same spirit will step right in and continue on the journey. And so if we're going to fight against this spirit of darkness that is trying to come against us, our city, our state, our nation, our family, we have to fight it with spiritual warfare. Now listen, hear my heart. I am for I am for laws and lawmakers that support my Christian values. And I will vote for laws and lawmakers that support my Christian values. So I'm not telling you that we don't do anything in that arena. That's not what I'm saying. But my, what I am saying is there is a spirit that has attached itself to people and things that are coming to attack us, and we do not deal with it through legislation or voting the right person in. We must deal with it in a spiritual way. So the question is, how do we handle the fight? Ask the person next to you, say, how do we handle this fight? 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, if you'll turn there. Today I'm wanting to do more of a teaching 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we have this vehicle of flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. There's a different set of rules. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are not of the flesh. They are what? Not of the flesh, but have divine power. God-given power to destroy strongholds. We destroy. Come on, somebody. This is talking about you. You destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. God has given you some weapons to destroy the work of the enemy and to pull down every single stronghold. 
Jesus says in Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 19, he says, behold, I have given you. Watch this. Behold, I have given you authority. Somebody say authority. You know what that means? That means you've got the right to do some stuff. If you come in my house, I've got the authority there. I've got the right to do whatever I want. Are you following me? Jesus says, I've given you the authority. When God created us in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. He placed man and woman in the garden. And he says, now I'm going to give you dominion of this place. Do you know what that means? I'm giving you the authority. I'm giving you you the right to run this place, to operate this place. The devil messed all that up, but Jesus came back and he, he made all things right. And he says, guess what? You have the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, somebody say all, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now, Jesus is not talking about physical snakes and scorpions here. He's talking about demonic power. He's saying, I have given you the authority to deal with every devil and every scheme and every weapon that comes your way. I've given you the authority to take him down. Why would you allow somebody to mess with you that you've got the power and authority over? What's the little girl's name sitting with y'all? Bella, Bella, I promise you, if you come up here and you start picking on me, I ain't going to have it. <laughs> I'm bigger than you. Your daddy's bigger than me, <laughs> but you, you see what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not going to allow her to come and mess with me. I'm bigger than her. I've got more power and more ability than she does. It's the same thing with the enemy that's after you. He comes like a roaring lion. He is like a roaring lion, but he doesn't have the power. Jesus has the power, and Jesus says, guess what, bud? I'm giving you the authority to deal with him. So when the enemy comes your way, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to hide. You don't have to back down. You know that you've got the authority. And Jesus Christ, your big brother, is standing right beside you saying, what's up? You want some of this? And I promise you, the devil says, no. No, I don't. But weapons are useless unless they're used. A few years ago, a guy... Uh, wanted to show me his pistol that he carries. And so he pulls it out, he hands it to me, he says, don't worry, it's not loaded, which is good, good information for me. Don't worry, it's not loaded. He said, I never keep it loaded. I, I don't ever keep it chambered. And I thought, that's really dumb. For those of you who are new to this whole carrying a gun scenario, a bullet must be in the chamber for it to work properly. If not, it goes click. Are you following what I'm saying? And when the battle comes, I don't have time to pull it out and say, excuse me, sir, I know you want to rob me, but if you'll give me one second, I'm going to chamber this bullet and I think we can change the outcome of this scenario. I don't have that kind of time. I've got to be ready. I've got to be locked. I've got to be loaded so that when the fight comes, I'm ready. It's the same thing as spiritual warfare. I've got to be ready. There are weapons, and I've got to be ready to use them. I've got to be locked and loaded. The problem with the church is we have exchanged our weapons for our complaining. 
When we see an issue, we identify the issue. We know it's a problem, but instead of fighting the issue with the weapons that God has given us, which we will talk about in a moment, we complain about it. We complain about the problem. We complain about the people, and your complaining changes nothing. I've tried it around my house. When I see something wrong in the house, which I've noticed many things wrong in the house. You know, men and women, you're about to, if you're about to get married, you will learn that y'all were brought up differently. Okay? And so some of you may be a neat freak and your spouse may not be. They may be comfortable living in what my father would have called a pigsty. When I was a kid, dad said, this house looks like a pigsty. Are you following me? And so when I notice, like, my kids don't put their shoes where they go, I've complained about it. And I talk about how easy it would have just been for you to put them up, but that changes nothing. Complaining changes nothing. If you want to change some things in your life, you've got to have the right weapons. You've got to know how to use them. You've got to know when to use them and how to use them. Freedom is never freely given by the oppressor. Hear what I'm saying. Freedom is never freely given by the oppressor. If the oppressed wants their freedom, they've got to get fed up with the situation. They've got to get sick and tired of living the way they're living and put their foot down and say, this stops today. I'm not going to complain about it anymore. This stops today. That's the attitude as Christians we have to have when we see the attack of the enemy going on all around the world. We have to say, this stops today. I'm not complaining about it anymore. I'm not pointing fingers anymore. I am taking the weapons that God has given me. I am marching across the enemy lines, and I am going to whip some, I will say but, because Bella is here. But I almost said ass. Sorry if that offends you. But I'm telling you, man, sometimes we got to get a boldness about us. We got to get a boldness about us. We got to get a boldness about us and go after the enemy that is trying to destroy our lives. The other night, I got so mad. I was thinking about something that was going on, and I was, I was in prayer, and I was worshiping, and I was praising, and finally I got angry, and it was a righteous anger. It was a righteous anger, and I was saying, enough is enough. This stops now. This ends now. I'm not going to put up with it any longer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the attitude that we have to have. When we come to a fight, we got to come with some attitude. We can't come with this, well, if it be thy will, Lord. That's how many of us do our Christian life. Well, if it be thy will. And Jesus is like, dummy, it is my will, and I have given you the authority. We are, we are waiting on Jesus to come to this earth and make all things right. Guess what? Jesus has already come to this earth. Now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is saying, I've given you the authority. You be the light to the world. You spread the gospel. You be the agent of change. Stop waiting for Jesus to do what he is only going to do through you. I am preaching way better than you are responding this morning, but I'm just believing somebody at home is dancing and shouting and not offended with the fact that I said a word that you didn't like. If you are, send an email. I won't read it. I'll put it, I'll put it in my filing cabinet. It's called the recycling bin. <laughs> but 
there's some weapons he's given us. We've got to start using them. We've got to take our freedom. We've got to take our ground. So what are the weapons? What are the weapons? Let's go back to Ephesians 6 chapter. I'm going to start in verse 10. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, because of this, Take up the whole armor of God. And this is something that you have to apply every day. Again, you can't wait for the enemy to come for you to say, hey, let me load my gun. You've got to be ready so that when he gets here, you say, come get you some. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Turn to the person next to you say, don't back down. Having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, all the flaming darts of the evil one, all of them, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, these are defensive weapons. They are designed to protect us from the attack of the enemy. And notice there is nothing to guard our behind. You know why? Because we're never in retreat mode. Our back is never to the enemy. We are always facing our enemy head on. I don't need something to guard my back. I'm coming head on. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That means you've got to push back. The, the problem is most of us, when he comes, we roll over. But I can't roll over. I've got to learn to push back. Now, at the end of this list of armor, there are two weapons that are offensive, and that's what I want to spend the remainder of our time on. He says in the 17th verse, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Somebody say the word of God. And then he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer. That means all kinds of prayer and supplication. That is earnest prayer. That's not like patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Thank you, Jesus, for holding my hand. This is like I'm coming to make war in the heavenlies. That's, that's like serious, earnest prayer. And he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The word is a weapon. Turn to the person next to you and say, the word, the word. Is, is a weapon. The Bible says about itself that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. In Revelation, when we get a picture of Jesus, do we know what you see coming out of his mouth? A two-edged sword. What is that two-edged sword? The word. The word is a weapon, and the word is powerful. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light or a lamp unto my path. It shows me what to fight, where to fight, and how to fight. It's like a map that shows me where the landmines are and how to disable them. 
Now, if I dropped you off in enemy territory and I said, there are landmines everywhere, but here's a map to show you exactly where they are and how to handle them when you come across them, how many of you would consult that map regularly and often? The Bible <laughs> does no good on the shelf. It has to be in your heart, in your mind, and in your mouth. The Word of God has to be in your heart, in your mind, and in your mouth. I want to say it again. It has to be in your heart, in your mind, and in your mouth. It has to get in here so that it can settle here, so that it can come out of here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever I am filling myself with is what is going to come out. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law, talking about the word of God, shall not depart from what? Your mouth. But you shall meditate on it. Think about it. You know, other forms of meditation are about clearing the mind. Christian meditation is not about clearing your mind. It's about filling your mind with the word of God so that it can settle in your heart. Why do you want it in your heart? So that when you need it, it can come out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, watch this, you will, this, we miss this part. We read it like this. If you'll do this, then God will make your way prosperous. That's not what it says. You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If you fill yourself with the word of God, if you are speaking the word of God, and you are obeying the word of God, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. You determine the outcome. It has to be in your heart. It has to be in your mind, and it has to be in your mouth. Why? Because my mouth is the launching pad. Tell the person next to you, your mouth is the launching pad. Now open your mouth and say it. Your mouth is the launching pad. So I store it up inside of me. I get the ammunition inside of me so that I can send it out to my mouth. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in your tongue. Think about that. Life and death are in your tongue. And I've taught about that, how we speak life, but we also have the ability to speak death. And I'm not talking about negative words towards our family. Yes, that is a form of death that we do with our mouth, but I'm talking about using our mouth as a weapon to destroy the enemy. To come after his plan, to come after his attack against us. You have the ability to speak through the word and bring destruction to the work of the enemy. Get this, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How? Through the word. Lies and deception are, enemy, are, are weapons of the enemy. It's how he traps us. It's how he keeps us trapped. He gives us something that seems like it could be true, and so we hold on to it, and we become a prisoner of our deception. But what combats deception? Anybody? Truth. If you know the truth, the Bible says if you know the truth, it will set you free. If I know the truth, I'm not open to 
deception. And so anytime that attack comes, anytime that weapon is formed, it's not going to prosper because the truth is going to take it down. How many of you in here are familiar with the Patriot missile? This thing is designed to seek and destroy other missiles. Incoming, right? And so when another missile is released, they say incoming, and then they go outgoing, and that thing finds the weapon of the enemy, and it destroys it. That's how the word of God works in our mouth. The enemy is continuously, 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 and will never stop trying to bombard your mind with fear and lies and deception. It will never stop. But the more truth I have in me and the more truth I will release, the more of his weapons that I disarm. No weapon formed against me, the Bible says, shall prosper. Why? Because I've got power through the Holy Ghost to disarm them when I release the word against them. The, uh, I was thinking about the Avengers movie, Infinity War, when Star-Lord comes up to Thanos and he's got his gun. And he's going to shoot Thanos, and Thanos turns it into a bubble machine. You ever seen that? That's how it is. That's how I thought about it. Like, the enemy comes with this weapon, and he's intending to destroy us, but we render it useless in his hands. And so the word of God has to be used. I have to store it up, and I have to use it. I have to learn how to declare the word of God over my life. I've got to declare the word of God over my family. I've got to declare the word of God over my city. Listen, if it's got a name, it needs some word declared over it. Amen? So that's the first weapon. The second weapon mentioned in Ephesians 6 is prayer. I don't have a lot of time, but y'all want me to stop? I can stop right now and sit down. Okay, a couple want me to keep going. Where two or three are gathered together. There it is, brother. You're enough. For those of you that wanted me to stop, blame John. <laughs> Let me tell you, this, this, these things that we've been talking about in this series the past few weeks will change your life. You, you, the reason I'm wanting to take time to teach this is so that you can grasp hold of it. And you need to go back and watch the sermon on YouTube. You need to go back and listen to the podcast. You need to rehearse it. You need to apply it. These are things that on a daily basis I have to apply. If I don't apply it, I notice a difference. And you'll notice the, if you get into a routine of applying these things, you'll begin to notice the change and you'll desire it. And what starts off as kind of a discipline becomes an enjoyment. I've heard, I've never experienced this for myself, but I've heard that if you go to the gym enough, you begin to enjoy it. And what becomes a discipline, if you don't do it, later it's like, man, I missed working out. Again, I don't know that to be true. I've not experienced that. I've not read about it in the Bible. But other people have told me that. And so I would assume it's similar to this. Prayer done right has great power as it is working. James, the fifth chapter, verse 16 in part B, it says, the prayer of a righteous person which if you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So that means you. Somebody say it means me. It says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. What that means is as soon as I release a prayer through faith, it begins working on my behalf. It goes from here, 
my lips into an unseen realm. I don't see it anymore, but it is working. It has power, and it is working on my behalf. And at the right moment, at the right time, if I will hold on and not back off, it will spring forth. When the prayer of faith is released by the believer, it starts working in an unseen realm. Prayer, get this part, prayer is a symphony conducted by the Holy Spirit and amplified through faith. Prayer is a symphony. I'm going to explain that in a moment. Prayer is a symphony. It is conducted by the Holy Spirit, and it is amplified through faith. Have you ever seen a symphony orchestra on television, or maybe you've gone to see it in person? It's made up of many different instruments, many different parts. They're all working together, and they're being conducted by a conductor. It is the conductor that keeps the music moving in the right direction. It is the conductor that makes sure that everybody stays on beat. Are you, are you following me? And so just like a symphony made up of many parts, our prayer is made up of many parts. That's what makes it powerful when it is done right. But before we get into the parts that make our prayer powerful, let's talk about the conductor for a moment. Because there's a lot of churches nowadays that they don't want to talk about the conductor because they're worried that people are going to get freaked out by the conductor. But without the conductor, there is no church. Are you following what I'm saying? So our prayer is conducted by the Holy Spirit. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 26. The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit, somebody say the Spirit, Spirit. helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. I don't always know what I should pray. I don't always know how I should pray. And so the Bible says that the Spirit helps me in that weakness. The Spirit himself intercedes. Let me stop here. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, which means you can have a personal relationship with him. The Spirit himself intercedes. That means he prays for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, talking about the Spirit, who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God has given us through the Spirit what is called a prayer language. Some would call this speaking in tongues, and uh, this has become a divisive and controversial topic in the church, and it's caused a lot of confusion, mostly because there's a lot of misunderstanding surrounding it, and some people who teach on the subject have no clue what they're talking about. I heard somebody speaking on the subject one time, and I thought, you did not get those notes from the Bible because you're not saying anything that is lining up with the word of God. And so this is a lot of controversy, but the reason it is so controversial, hear me, is because it is so powerful. The enemy is going to try to destroy anything that, will try, that can destroy him. My cousin had a dream several years ago that he walked into a church, and during worship, he began to pray in the Spirit. And as he was praying in the spirit, a, de- a demonic presence appeared to him and said, stop that. You can't do that here. What was that? What's the interpretation of that? The enemy hates when we pray in the spirit because it has great power, because 
the Spirit himself is starting to intercede through us. So I don't really have time to teach on all the ins and outs of that. Sometime we'll get around to it. But sometimes we are unknowingly fighting against what God is trying to do because of our misunderstanding. That's what happened in the Bible. The religious people were fighting against God himself because they didn't understand. They didn't recognize. And still today we are fighting against God who is the Holy Spirit because of our lack of understanding. It's okay to not have an understanding of things, but get an educated background before you start formulating opinions of it. Because these things are not spooky and weird. These things are gifts from God that empower the believer. So why would I want to have that ability to pray in the Spirit? First thing, biblically it says it builds us up. It builds us up. Somebody say, it builds me up. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. So that's one of the benefits of having a prayer language is it builds me up. Second advantage is it hits the target. The Bible just said there are times that we don't know what we should be praying for. We want to pray. We have a desire to pray, but we don't know what we're necessarily wanting to pray for. And so what happens is our prayer becomes like a shotgun blast, which is great because it covers a lot of territory. And there's a time for that. But then when the Spirit starts interceding for us and through us, it becomes like a sighted-in rifle. It goes directly to the target. There are times that you will not be aware of what's going on, but the Spirit will place in you the, the need or the feel to pray, and you don't know what to pray for, and you start praying in the Spirit, and you could be praying for someone across the world that you're not even aware of what they're going through. My sister-in-law, several years ago when she was in the hospital, she, ha she was having her baby. It was like the middle of the night. There was complications. One of her friends woke up around that time and felt to pray, not realizing that she was praying for her in a time of need. The Spirit knows what needs to be prayed for. Amen? So now let's talk about the parts. And again, we can cover that in a, in a different thing. And if you, if you disagree, it's fine. That's not like something that's a deal breaker. Like, well, you can't make it to heaven because you don't believe in this. That's, that's not how it works, okay? So can we just agree to disagree? My dad would say it this way. You have a right to be wrong. Here's the first part, Thanksgiving. Somebody say Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I'm going to go through this quickly. Thanksgiving deals with God's goodness. So I'm going to try to give you a little, because we talk about Thanksgiving, praise, worship. What, 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 Thanksgiving deals with what God's goodness, what he has done. The Bible says, Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There is a benefit to being a child of God. And the more we are aware of these benefits and remind ourselves of these benefits, the more thanksgiving is produced in our life. When I am aware of the fact that I was lost, I was going to die, I was going to spend an eternity separated from the presence of God, and Jesus came and died on a cross so that I could have life, I begin to get thankful. When I realize that he is my provider, he is the source of my strength, he is the source of joy, there are no good things apart from him. And he's saying, I've got every good gift available to you. I begin to get thankful. So the word of God begins to show me the things I can be thankful for, and then I need to start being thankful and saying, God, I thank you for this. That is a powerful part of prayer, being thankful 
I thank you for this day. I thank you for your hand that is on my life. God, I am grateful that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And any tongue that rises up against me, you will condemn. God, I thank you for being the Lord that heals all my disease. I thank you for being an ever-present help in time of need. Are you following me? Thanksgiving. Somebody say thanksgiving. Secondly is praise. Somebody say praise. praise. Thanksgiving is God's goodness. Praise deals with God's greatness. And thanksgiving and praise are the only way into the presence of God. Are you following this? The only way into the presence of God is through thanksgiving and praise. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we come into his courts with praise. It is the starting point and it is a great way to start your prayer. Just by thanking Jesus and talking about the greatness of Jesus and all that he's done in his mighty hand. Worship deals with God's holiness. He is holy. There is none like him. Declaration. These are all parts of prayer. Declaration is speaking his word. We talked about that a moment ago. We have to have his word in our mind, and our heart, and it's got to be in our lips. That is our declaring, and that is a powerful part of prayer. When we start saying, God, your word says this. Why? Because his word will not return void. It will accomplish whatever it is sent to do. And so I want to make sure that I am sending his word some places. Not my opinions, his words. Then we got petition, that is our request. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Somebody say always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn the person next to you and say, there is power in praise. If you have a notebook, write down 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. I'm not going to read it right now for the sake of time. I will read it in the, the next service, but I want you to read it on your own. 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse 1 through 23. Just to give you an overview of what's happening, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and all of these enemies are coming in to destroy them. They are coming in to take their land. They are coming in to oppress them. They want to destroy them, and his immediate response is fear. How many of you know when an enemy comes that you can't handle that's bigger than you, fear is natural? But instead of wallowing in his fear, he begins to turn his face to God, and he tells all the people, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fast, and we're going to pray. And he starts assembling the people together, and he says, God, I don't know what to do, but I do know where to look. And I love that part of the verse because there's going to be times in life that you don't know what to do, and you've got to know where to look. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So when I don't know what to do, I've got to lift my eyes. That's what Jehoshaphat does. And he calls the people together and he starts praising God. Read it. He starts praising God. He starts declaring the goodness and the greatness of God. He starts reminding God of who he is like God's going to forget. God doesn't forget. 
But it does something good for us when we say, God, I remember the time that you parted the Red Sea. God, I remember the time that you made a way where there seemed to be no way. God, I remember a time that I was broken and I was hurting and you stepped in and brought healing. Are you following? And Jehoshaphat starts reminding God of how good he is. So we've got praise. We've got thanksgiving. He starts declaring the word of God. Are you following me? Then it talks about how he bows down. That's his worship. He bows down and he starts worshiping. And when he does, the presence of God comes and the voice of God speaks to him and says, don't worry about this enemy. You're going to go out, stand your ground. All you got to do is stand, don't back up, but don't worry because I'm going to come in and I'm going to fight the battle for you. That's what happens when we start praising and worshiping God. He says, don't worry. The battle is not yours. It's mine. I'm going to step in and I'm going to fight for you. And so Jehoshaphat and all the people, they start singing praises to God. It says with a loud voice. Sometimes we want to praise in here. Praise doesn't happen in here. Praise happens here. It is the launching pad. And they sang and praised with a loud voice. And as they released praise, you know what happened? The enemy started turning on themselves. They killed themselves. Why? Because when the praise of God goes out, the enemy gets confused. The enemy goes into a panic. And the weapons he has formed against you will turn on him and they will destroy him. Are you following what I'm saying? This is powerful. This is not child's play. There is power in your praise, and you better start praising. There is power in your worship, and you better start worshiping. There is power when you are thankful. You better start being thankful. Don't come into church anymore with your hands in your pockets. When the music strikes up, raise your hands, bow your heads, fall to your knees, do whatever you got to do. Open your mouth and start praising God. Thank him in advance for what he's going to do. The battle is still here, but I thank you that it's not mine. It is yours, Lord. I thank you that there is victory coming. I thank you that my family is okay. I thank you that my family will have health. We will have peace. We will prosper in everything we do. We are grateful for you. You are the God of miracles. And watch what happens. See what happened there? God, God just took notice of what we just did there. God just took notice of what just happened there. And let me tell you, right now is a great time for breakthrough. Everybody stand with me right now. If you need a breakthrough in your life, I'm going to pray for you because there is an atmosphere for a breakthrough right here, right now. If you, are, if you have worry in your life, today worry comes off. If you have fear and anxiety in your life, today fear and anxiety comes off. That was my prayer today as I rode. I was arriving to church. I was like, God, let your presence be so strong here that when people come on the property, chains begin to break because where the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty. Are you following me? There's liberty for you today. For those watching online, there is liberty for you today in the name of Jesus. Receive it and start walking in it. Listen, when you receive a word, it becomes beneficial to you when you start walking in it. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. Start releasing it. Start activating it in your life and watch God. what God will do. God, touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Now for every person in this room. If you've got a need in your life, I want you to just lay your hand over your heart. We're going to come into agreement together and believe that God is big enough and God is good enough to help you. Listen, there are people that are facing difficult things right now, and it seems that there is no way. But, Laura, there's always a way in there. We've seen that through Laura's testimony. Laura's got a great testimony. I won't share it because it's hers to share. But there was a difficult 
challenge coming her way and there seemed to be no way. But you know what? Instead of fear and panic, we came together and we prayed. And we began to praise God and we began to thank God and he turned it around for her. He can turn it around for you today. Father, for every person in this room that has a need in their life, I thank you for turning it around today. Father, I thank you for destroying every work of the enemy and putting it under your feet. And I thank you for giving us the authority today to put it under our feet. And so today I declare that fear is under my feet. Worry is under my feet. Panic is under my feet. I receive the joy. I receive the peace. I receive the strength. I receive the healing that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for your blood, Jesus, because there is power in your blood. And I apply your blood to my life and to the life of the people in here. Father, we apply your blood to our homes. Lord, so that no weapon formed against us can prosper and no enemy or evil thing can come near our dwelling. Lord, let it be a place of peace. Father, give your people rest at night. Show them how to fight. Hear what I'm saying, church. The enemy will always come. But when he comes in and you raise a praise and you shift your mind to Jesus and start worshiping him, God steps in and he says, I'll raise a standard against that enemy. I'll push him back. You don't have to do it. He'll do it for you. Your God is great. Your God is awesome. Your God is no one that can be messed with. There is no other God like your God. Start trusting him. Start worshiping him and allow him to step in and fight the battle for you. Because it's not yours. God told the people of Judah, this fight isn't yours. It's mine. Because they're messing with you and you're my people. You belong to God. You are his people. He will fight for you. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will take every evil work and turn it around for your good and for your benefit. So I come against any spirit of darkness that would try to attach itself to our life, any spirit of deception that will try to lie to us and intimidate us. Today that stops in Jesus' name. We will be free. We will have joy. We will have strength. If you have been having digestive problems in your body, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for anyone who's been having a, a situation with their digestive system, God, I'm asking that you would work it out. Father, I'm asking that you would straighten it out. Father, that the attack would stop today. Today it stops. No more indigestion. No more acid reflux in Jesus' name. Let it be so, God. 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 Thank you, Lord. Can we just enjoy the Spirit for just a moment? Thank Him for His presence.